Hi, everyone. Happy New Year and welcome to Funnelocity, the B2B sales and marketing podcast where we exchange views with some of the top industry experts on what it takes to succeed in global demand generation and elevate the customer experience. We're your hosts, Gifford Morley Fletcher, Senior Marketing Strategist, and Mary Kleinsorgan, that's me, Principal Consultant here at Market One. We're back for season two. We're really excited about the lineup of guests this year. So let's get to it. I'm super stoked for today's episode. Um, well, yeah, like, okay, so for, I have to explain this for our, for our listeners though. All right, so, so to break this down, Market One partnered with Octopost a few months ago on a webinar and they had this brilliant conversation around the silent killer of pipeline and what you can do to keep your pipeline alive and drive the business forward. And for our listeners, if they haven't already, Highly recommend checking it out. It's going to be on our website. It's on octopost.com. But it is this mind-blowing conversation and kind of like this murder mystery type of format. I'm not going to do any spoiler alerts here on who the uh, the murderer is, so you have to check it out. But the reason why I bring it up is today we have this sequel now to chat about um, a slightly different topic about how we're all talking about the evolution of customer experience. Yet, if you think about it as marketers, all of our challenges have remained the same over the years. So this isn't going to be this murder mystery, uh, you know, type of format, but I can tell you that our guests are going to slay it today. So Gif, do you want to intro our guests, please? I sure can. And, uh, you know, I love a sequel. I mean, just when you thought it was safe to go back into the podcast, it just it fits. Yeah. So on to our guests. Daniel Kushner is a serial entrepreneur, B2B marketing expert, and social media enthusiast. With more than a decade of experience leading marketing and sales organizations in global tech companies, his latest venture is Octopost, the only social media management and employee advocacy platform designed for B2B companies. As the CEO of Octopost, he's helping B2B marketers measure the true business value of social media marketing. Welcome, Daniel. Thank you. Thanks for that great intro. <laughs> We're also joined by Market One's Global Director of Strategic Services, Sean Marr. Sean has over 12 years of performance-focused MarTech experience, along with a passion for B2B enterprise and helping Fortune 500 clients achieve marketing excellence in an ever-increasingly complex world. Focused on CX and full end-to-end -end platform orchestration, Sean's past career highlights include enabling CDP cap capabilities in organizations before CDPs were commercially available, and pushing marketing automation to the limits of its capabilities in order to deliver the ideal customer experience. Sean is also our fearless leader, and like a good cup of coffee, he's warm, nourishing, a little bitter at times, but always welcoming. Thanks for being here, Sean. Jokes. Thanks, Gip. Thanks, Gip. <laughs> <laughs> and, and thank you, Daniel, for being here. This is, this is killer. So yes, excited for this episode. Um, and Mary, you bring up an interesting point, right? Like last, last time we had this conversation with Octopost about what is the silent killer of pipeline. I love that Octopost as uh, their podcast always asks the right questions. And this is an interesting kind of like continuation of that conversation in a way. Um, but maybe we'll just zoom out for a sec. Daniel, maybe uh, some thoughts from you on where marketing sits today. And I don't mean to ask such an open question, but specifically, look, marketing is this very nebulous thing, right? And as an industry, it's constantly chasing after the cutting edge. But then you start to, as you as you sit through marketing for through your career and build it, whatever, you start to see like, are these questions really repeats over and over again? Is there is there anything actually new? And you know, whether the answer is yes or no how does an organization really elevate itself from its other cohorts in its competition industry to really move the needle? What's, what's your view on that too? Wait, so, so you say you don't want to ask an open-ended question, Sean, and then you go ask a super open-ended question that can take me two hours just to, you know, to touch on certain aspects. So I'll, I'll try to give my, 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 my best. Uh, you know, like where is marketing today, you know, compared to 
you know, where we came from in, in, in marketing. I think one on, on the on, on, on the surface level, the, the core guts of marketing, it's still there and it hasn't changed. There's just lots of noise in, in, in marketing and in marketing teams. And I believe that a lot, a lot of the noise has been created by automation platforms. I heard that, that you're well into your marketing automation uh, knowledge. So I think one should do another podcast just around marketing automation. Uh, but the, 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 there's so much uh, you know, technology in the marketing stacks today, I think we're forgetting what what core marketing is, and 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 that's where where you know I, I believe that that as as the marketing moves forward uh, in, in the next few years, those those kind of the, the nomadic stacks that, that we have today are going to start to be consolidated and 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 made a little bit smaller and simpler, because mm-hmm. it seems that the 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 many many marketers today. They're using technology to solve problems, but then, but that's that's just the plaster. It, it's not they're not solving the, the the core problem, and that's why you know the, the, there's so many times that I see organizations they have tens, if not hundreds, of different pieces of technology that needs to be glued together, and mm-hmm. then you even have technology to understand what technology you're using. And to manage the expenses of all the technologies that you're using, that's another piece of technology. So who's going to manage that? And it's just become such a, a huge mess, and this this constant uh, run after the next shiny tool, the next shiny solution. Yeah. And, and you know, at the end, it's just you know, people trying to solve marketing problems. And and I believe that that we have to go back to the core marketing concepts that were written 10, 20, 30 years ago, and start to to work our way up from there. It's it's interesting thing that you raise, like. Um you're almost describing maybe a chicken and egg situation because the questions that come up is then number one is marketing actually measuring the right things. Like, is it a measurement problem that leads to this? Because you started off by saying there's a lot of noise and, and, you know, all these tools add to that, but this noise I imagine also is like end user facing as a consumer of marketing. Is that noise too rampant? And how does marketing navigate itself through the current world? Yeah. So when you talk about news, I think noise. I think there are two parts of the noise. Right. One is yeah. the, the the noise that our prospects and customers are hearing because of all so many marketers trying trying to get their attention, and there's the other noise which is internal, and there have to be different very different topics and conversations. So first of all, from the internal, and one of the the, the topics that you brought up was around measurement is what do I measure? Now, if we look at the good old days, sales was measured with dollars or euros or pounds, wherever you are. Mm-hmm. And marketing was measured with leads. It was simple. When you fast forward today, you have the MQLs and the SQLs and the SOLs. And then when it comes to social, you have the likes and the followers month over month and how many comments. Yeah. And then you're looking for the brand at Glassdoor reviews and at those reviews and due to crowd reviews. So there, there are so many different types of metrics that, that we start to get lost. And when, mm-hmm. when, when you look at marketing dashboards and Excel spreadsheets or you know, platforms that they might be using, it's just all over the place. And I think as human beings, we're, we're, we're not smart enough to consume so many numbers and see trends in numbers. So I think one, the internal noise on, on what we're measuring, it has to be dumbed down. Now I'm a simple person. I want simplicity in my life. Right? Give me one number that I can know if it's good or if it's bad. Right? You're driving a car, you're looking at your speed. That's what mm-hmm. you need to know, the speed of the car. Right? Mm-hmm. You don't know how many revs the engine is doing. You don't care these days, right? Maybe. 50 years ago, you cared, but it's like you have this one number, are you over the speed limit, under the speed limit? And then you have warning signals. And the same with marketing. I believe when we're measuring marketing, we should be measuring with one single number. Yes. And this is the, I wouldn't even say leads because you want to understand marketing contribution in regards mm-hmm. to value and dollars. I would say marketing influenced opportunities. How many opportunities are you opening? I don't care if they're closed or not. This is up to sales, right? Salesmanship. But how many opportunities are you opening on a weekly, monthly, quarterly basis? 
that derived directly from marketing uh, influence or marketing activities. It's one, sim one simple number. It captures a lot of the metrics that you're checking on the way. And it can show an indicator, are you increasing or decreasing? Mm -hmm. so at the end of the day, a number in itself has zero relevance. A hundred opportunities, is that good or bad? I don't know. You want to see trends. So my opinion, again, is measuring the marketing influence or marketing generated opportunities. But most importantly, you have one thing which you know how to measure, which is objective. It's like zero subjectiveness. It's an objective number. And then you start looking at the trends. Are you going up or are you going down? But as long as you're measuring it exactly the same way, month over month. So this is, this is really interesting. It's, it's really meaningful to hear you say it in that, look, marketing is kind of, maybe the industry makes it more complicated than it seems, if I may say that. Meaning like all these tools addressing all these different use cases, you are saying produces a lot of noise internally. And what that does is it causes marketing to lose focus. And if we are to refocus marketing, um, you're saying like, look, simplify it. And one of the primary factors marketing should be looking at as with regards to determining if it's successful or not is marketing generated bookings or leads or what have you, right? Like basically marketing's direct influence to pipeline. Marketing's direct influence to pipeline. Yeah. Interesting. And, and, and you know, I think it's not, you know, the way that I put it, it's even simpler because pipeline is, is a dollar value mm -hmm. that's in the early stages, it's, it comes up from the account executive or the sales uh, rep, right? So it's now subjective, right? I want zero subjectivity. I want as much as objectiveness as I can within those numbers, right? So even if it's generated opportunities, right? So here at Octopus, for example, we generate an opportunity when, when something happens, it's not if, oh, am I going to sell to this company? Let me create an opportunity, right? If we have a discovery call that matches A, B, C, D criteria, that's an opportunity. I don't care if you think you can sell or can't sell. You might sell. They don't have budget. They do have budget. Mm. Right? This specific thing happens, discovery call with criteria, you open an opportunity. And then we know that this opportunity comes from a webinar, from a podcast, from a trade show, from in, inbound, was it an SDR that called? Was it you know, a, a customer referral? You, you have the opportunity source. And then you gather all the marketing opportunity sources and you know how much they created. And then when you know you're measuring the same thing, then you start looking at the trends. Am I going up and am I going down? Yeah, that's a good point. Where my head goes is like, first of all, that's a... Uh, it's many, there's many optimizations there, right? Because you're saying you are laser focused on how marketing is driving meaningful conversions. Meaningful conversions, as you defined it as, you know, there needs to be a certain set of criteria that needs to be met before it's an opportunity for Octopost. So actually the way Octopost labels opportunities is a level down than most organizations. So it's more meaningful, right? Yeah. Um, but then there's the other side of it, which is, are there not marketing activities that may not be direct influence to opportunities. But when I say that, I mean, marketing is also responsible for advocacy, driving brand. You know, there's, there's almost like a partially not measurable cost to marketing if you're going to try to associate it to opportunities, right? So as a marketer on that side, maybe more brand side or product marketing, do you have advice for people who sit in those seats? Is I'm going to say something that might be really, really unpopular. And that's not, not everything is measurable. That's one. But we have mm -hmm. to live with a fact. And that sometimes we, we don't want to measure everything. Uh, you know, I'll give you a, a, a radical example. And I hope I'm not getting in trouble with you know, our peers. Okay, let, let's look at analysts. Okay, so we won't, name, we won't name them. But we know analysts, right? They charge a hefty fee for annual subscriptions. You can talk with them, you can debrief them, you can you know, do, do inquiries. To measure how effective that investment was, right? If it's 50,000, 100,000, 200, whatever you're spending on analysts is virtually impossible unless you're actually interviewing each prospect that comes your way, right? Because you, you're, you're talking with a bunch of analysts, they're going you know, to their 
uh, other meetings and they say, oh, you know what? We spoke with Octopost. You might be interested. Or they'll talk with other analysts or with other prospects, right? Analysts, they, they, they have a lot to do with also M&A in, in, in their back, but no, no one sees it. Mm. So what, what's the ROI of signing up for an analyst subscription, right? In my opinion, it's, it's practically impossible, mm. right? But it's, you need to do it. Right? If you're selling into enterprise, if you're in a specific uh, domain, talking with the analysts, having them understand what you do, having them write about you, putting them in magic quadrants, in, yeah, in, exactly. in, in curves, whatever, uh, in waves. Uh, you know, th- th- this is, you, know, you, you need to be there. Right? Yeah. So, so it's, it, it's, uh, there are things which are, are a part of the game, a part of the marketing game, yeah. that you do, but you don't always have to measure, right? Podcasts, right? They're extremely difficult to measure, right? Because there's no like link trackability Mm -hmm. or it's very hard to, oh, I heard you in a podcast on the way to work and two days later, I did a Google search and and, and found your product, Mm -hmm. right? And it happened, go measure that, right? You can measure it from surveys, from, you know, asking how do you hear about our company, our solution. But, you know, I, I think, you know, the, the things which also come from the gut feeling, right? My gut feeling is that podcasts yeah. are amazing for brand, amazing for, for thought leadership. It gets your word out. Does it generate leads? 100%. Does it help push opportunities down the pipeline? Does it position your company or service uh, as, as a better place among competitors? I have no doubt. Mm. Well, you know, where, where is that coming from? It, it's all subjective gut feeling. I love what you're saying, right? Because you're... Look, you look at MarTech today, the industry goes towards this world of measure everything. But as you're suggesting earlier, like there's a big noise problem and there's a big theme here, right? So you're saying like marketing as an organization, there are very specific things that you can focus on from a meaningful metric perspective. That's what you should be looking at. There are other aspects of marketing that you do, as you say, are part of the game. There's a certain um, uh, mix of ingredients that needs to be understood well to play that game. But those are not necessarily things you have to be so focused on measuring because maybe there's too many assumptions to make that measurement. There's, there's basically, there's a lot of unknowns for dot connecting. So is it actually a good exercise to pursue or not, right? Um, yeah, you know, I can just you know, give one, one, one example of, of what I see as kind of false measurement or, or false... Uh, yeah, we'll call it false measurement. So you take a marketing organization and, and someone in the demand gen team is, is trying to generate more leads. That's what they generate. Mm. And you go pay for some content syndication, right? So you have your white papers, ebooks on some third-party websites and people register, they leave their name. You get a bunch of names from this content syndication uh, service, this offering. And let's say you're a company, you're generating a thousand leads a month. And with this content syndication, they're giving you another 300 leads a month because you're, you're basically paying per lead. So you went from 1,000 leads to 3,000 to, to 1,300 leads, right? A 30% increase. Now, a marketer can come and present to the board, to leadership, to, to whoever, to the team. We increased leads by 30%. We went from 1,000 to 1,300. Mm-hmm. Is that good or bad? In my opinion, it's meaningless. Right? Because where do we get the leads from? We get, got them from content syndication, which is most likely of a lesser quality. Yes, garbage. Right? Now, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, I'm like being radically transparent. You know, we, we have our podcast radically transparent. Yeah. So we, we go with the flow. Uh, so so we, we increased leads by 30%. But what's the value of those leads? Mm-hmm. Right? And that's why I'm going back. The way that I believe you should be measuring is how many opportunities are you creating from those marketing, marketing activities, right? So maybe the 300 leads created five opportunities, right? And the 1,000 leads created 100 opportunities. Sure. I'm just throwing out numbers, right? So you have mm. 10% conversion on your regular leads and then uh, you know, smaller percent conversion on these, right? So it's creating, it might be creating something, but it's definitely not 30% increase, right? So it's also measure what, ha- what, what matters, right? Measure what you can... You can take it the back and either change something that you're doing, mm-hmm. right? Increase, decrease, dial up, dial down, 
right? Or measure something that, that shows value, right? So because I have a question because you're yeah. making interesting statements here. And by the way, I love it. Like we very much subscribe to the way of thinking that you're, the way you're explaining this, these problems because um, it really does help refocus marketing today. So we, it sounds like we're talking a lot about marketing attribution. At the end of the day, marketing should understand how it's driving opportunities, right? So if we go with that, then, and you're saying how you also got to make things simple in terms of measurable, actionable, all of this, but in a long B2B sales cycle, how does marketing really figure out its attribution? Because of course you can say like, this was the last touch point that enabled an opportunity. I understand. But what about all that work that led to it? How, how do you connect those dots? Do you have advice for that? Again, this is going to be unpopular. Uh, I, I would always go with, uh, with the first touch, mm. right? And, and, and the reason, because if there wasn't a first touch, there are no multiple touches. And there's no last touch. Okay. Right? You know, you know, I, I'll give you an example, which is unrelated. I'll try to change the story. So, because the context is kind of top secret or, you know, under NDA. Uh, sure. But, I, but I, I was speaking with, uh, with a friend on some business activity uh, that, that, we're, that we're doing here. And then, you know, we, we spoke about someone that we worked with a few years ago. I said, you know, this guy, you, you know, he, he was great, but, but, you know, didn't bring much value. Mm. And then he said, yeah, but what you're doing today, right, is a result of one single introduction that he did five years ago. Right. And that introduction led to me knowing someone else, someone else, and it followed up. And, you know, you have the whole know, butterfly effect, you can call it, that, that led to where we are today. Right. So if it wasn't for that initial interaction or that initial person that I engaged with, nothing else would have followed up. Right. I could have taken a different path to get to the same position, but who knows? And the same with leads. If you don't have, if that lead didn't find you, uh, on, a, on, on, on a webinar or they didn't download that white paper and that was the first touch, they might never see you again. So I'm a big fan of, of first touch attribution. That makes sense. That makes sense. So now with that in mind, first touch attribution, I think in terms of digital marketing, when we talk about that, it is the point at which a person became known, right? So, so in your examples, they're downloading a white paper, what have you, they probably gave an email address, right? And, and if, if that's what we're talking about, my question is, in your opinion, does the industry put too much emphasis on the value of email for B2B marketing? If we put too much value on, the, on, the, on, on getting the email itself? No, not getting the email itself, meaning it, it, B2B is a little bit old world some, in some ways with regards to how they go to market. And, and there's a lot of, there continues to be so much heavy focus on email being important. Email is a channel, important channel to market. But, you know, if we talk about noisy channels, that's probably one of the most noisy channels. And are people looking at email maybe in a dated fashion or is it still relevant? What's, do you have an opinion on that? And, and how do we make it better? I think it, it, it's super important. Email is super important, but it has to be used at the right time. Mm-hmm. And, and I believe that that's the secret source, right? It, it's 90%, 80% is timing, right? So think about all the, the you know, intent data that's available today, right? That, that, that can be used sure. in conjunction with email. Because yeah. we all get dozens of emails, if not hundreds of emails a day that are irrelevant, right? So it's no, we, we, you know, Octopus raised like 20 million a few months ago from a great group in the UK, Expedition uh, Capital. They got to us through a cold email, right? They, and I have the email, they sent it in January, a cold email. They even used an old email that I had at Octopus. Like when we were in the very, very early days, we oh, founded wow. the company. You know, yeah. you found it's 2013, you want to seem big. So how do you seem big? You have like long emails, daniel.kushnaradoctopose.com, right? I had that long email for about two and a half days. I said, I'm not going to write this email every time I have to write my email. So I changed it to daniel.octopose.com. And then daniel.kushnaradoctopose.com became an alias, right? That until today points yeah. to, my, uh, to my email. So the email that I got from Expedition was to daniel.kushner, right? It's some lead database, 
right? Because yeah. it's not an email that I, that, that I use. Cold, but the timing was super relevant, right? Huh. Seven days before, we had a board meeting and we discussed doing a round, right? So the, the emails, like, and you know, this is a $20 million email, basically, right? But it, it, the, the, the timing was spot on. So I think emails are super relevant if, if you have the time right. If you don't have the time right, it's, it's 100% irrelevant. And I think the, the, the vast majority of emails, they don't have the timing right. Yeah. As you say, secret sauce. That's, that's yeah. very, like, if people figured that out, then, of course, it would be air quotes easy. Interesting. Yeah. You know, and, there, you know, there's so many things that, that we can do, like when we're talking about data, right? Data is king. And, and you know, yeah. but you know, we're using the data smartly, right? So you know, how many companies do you know? You, you know, you, you work with lots of organizations. Are you looking at the data that the account executives get? Okay, so they speak with a, a prospect, and the prospect says, "No, we're in contract until March 23." Yeah. Right. How many times are organizations using that date, March 23, go back two, three months, and send an automated email? Like nurture them based on that conversation, the dates they got from that conversation, right? That 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 that's getting the timing right and the email right. Okay? No, One, we're not we're not doing it. I don't know who is doing it, but that's what we should be doing as marketers. Would you consider to be a that to be a core factor of ABM? That kind of activity. No, don't get me started with ABM. <laughs> <laughs> started with ABM. <laughs> you hit a nerve, Sean. I know, I did. No, but, you know, I a, did. A, ABM was done in the 60s, right? You used to send, I don't know, doctors golf balls and they say, come meet me, I'll give you the golf club. It's, it's and not, nothing has changed, you know, just a, a fancy three-letter acronym and, you know, some more technology to, to try to solve it. And yeah, I think also thank if you we look now. That. What's hmm. that? I said, thank you for saying that. Uh, I'm, I'm really not going like... to be popular. I don't want to be popular. I wanna, no, this mind. is... Exactly. This is meaningful. This is what's the word? Uh, polarizing, polarizing statements. But, but, but based on what you're saying, then, then is uh, you're saying since the 60s, it is, it is 2021. Marketing hasn't advanced. So, what I think we, we, we've definitely advanced, right? There are some, you know, amazing brands doing amazing marketing, and, and, you know, we've definitely, you know, changed. But I think that the, the, the there are so many that are trying to find these fixed quicks, quick fixes, quick fixes, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. You know, so let's, you know, we need more leads. You know what? Let's do ABM because everybody's doing ABM, and they go <laughs> rush to ABM. Like, like, what are you doing? But you know, ABM account executives they had lists of accounts they had to go after in the in the, in the eighties and nineties. Right? I'm just throwing out dates because you know, yeah, it's a long time ago, right? So, so you know, what what has changed there? Saying these are my target accounts, these are the companies that I want to sell to. I'm going to map the accounts, map the contact, see who's there, see where I have connections, send them stuff in the mail, in snail mail, send an email, send a postcard, invite them to dinner. What's changed? That's true. Nothing. Well, this is an interesting point. This is a very interesting point. So actually, if I distill down what you're saying, at the end of the day, nothing really has, there's progress, but nothing really has changed because actually we're still humans marketing to humans, right? Like that's, that's what we're talking about. It's, it's the same construct that we're working within all the always. We're, we're, we're still humans marketing to humans. The issue is, as you brought up in the beginning, Sean, is the noise, right? Because there's so many more solutions and so many more companies and so many more SDRs and so many more uh, marketers. And, and it's simple, easy to send out a million emails with a click of a button. That, that it, it, it's the, the, the amount of noise that is being created, you're constantly trying to get above that 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 noise mm. and, and 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 that's the issue right so we spoke about the internal noise which is the noise of data the noise of numbers which 90 percent of numbers they're meaningless to advance your organization but also mm. the external noise that we're that we're creating for the prospects and because it's it's like what, what's the cost of sending an email like nothing so yeah. let's let's yeah. send them right with all <laughs> Like you know marketing automation better than I know marketing automation, right? How how many company newsletters yeah. are changed and tweaked for different segments of your database? It's true. 
right? We're all sure. guilty. I'm guilty as well, right? But we, we, the, the technology is there. Yeah. Right? But we have to use it properly and then you can get much, much better marketing. Because if, if I from a marketer, I say it doesn't, I, I can work harder and segment my database and write five different newsletters or five different, you know, tweaks or five different subject lines and send it to different segments. Or I can just send the same one to everyone. Right? And I sent, and in, in my quarterly or monthly checklist when I report up to the CMO, yeah, I sent the, the newsletter to, you know, my, my million person database. Uh, yes, yes. So that's that's very uh, spray and pray marketing. That's uh, definitely noise generation. Um, so qu question then, you know, Octopus occupies a unique space with regards to the problem it's trying to solve in, in these conversations. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so again, I, I believe that the ultimate measurement of marketing is all about understanding how marketing influences the business. Yeah. But we're in the B2B space. So for the B2B influencing the business is how many leads am I generating and how is my marketing activity influencing opportunities? And what, what we find is that within the data stack or take stack of marketing, social is disconnected, disconnected from the rest of the game, right? You have the marketing automation platforms that are controlling the email, they're controlling the web tracking uh, code. You can, they're connected to CRM. You have all your data, your 360 degree view, mm -hmm. right? But the, the external social media content is, is very much disconnected. So we, oh. we wanna show and, and, and understand how social is generating leads and how social is influencing opportunities. So, so we have that technology in place to to, you know, for marketers, whatever they're doing in social, if it's corporate social, if it's employee advocacy, if it's employer branding, if it's company branding, whatever they're doing on social, right? How does that trickle down and, and influence the business in real business metrics? So that, that's uh, basically what we do. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I, I think from where I sit, a lot of organizations perhaps underutilize social because of the problem that you describe it's 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 not hasn't been easy for them to tie it into these core metrics and understand impact and so it's been very it's so siloed off it's siloed within silos it's just so far removed from typical corporate marketing that even the planning and incorporation of it as a channel isn't is often overlooked yeah yeah i think you know, so even if you can't measure social, right? Take Octopus out of the picture. You know, I still believe it's something that you should be doing, right? I said there are things that, that you know, analysts, right? You can't measure how the ROI of signing up to an analysis, analyst subscription. It's right? true. But, you know, if you get to that certain stage, right? And you need a relationship, you need the relationship and you have to pay for it. So, you know, it's the same thing with social, right? I think, you know, when... And, and it's not only social, you know, I see, we, we see a lot of movement into using the employees for social and using the employees networks, right? And we see this in, in, in two areas. One is using employees to amplify the brand messaging. That's what we call the employee advocacy. And the second, and I think especially in B2B organizations in, in I think this is maybe, you know, definitely worldwide, is talent acquisition. It's becoming harder and harder to get good talent, right? And, mm -hmm. and, and now companies are thinking about talent and talent pipeline, just like they're thinking about leads and prospect pipeline. So they, they, they wanna, and one of the, the, the ways to, to, to get talent is to put the employees on the front line. And this is, uh, uh, I'm not sure if it's new, but it's a newish uh, trend that, that we're seeing. And it's all around employer branding getting the employees out at front that's going to help get more talent. One, the friends and family and colleagues will see, you know, their, their LinkedIn and the parties that they're doing and the, the fun they're having at the organization. Oh. And, 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 and this thing, these things are shared, right? Because, you know, just take you know, one quick example. If, if I'm looking for a job or even I'm not looking for a job, but if there's a, a, a job ad on LinkedIn, 
for someone recruiting, I don't know, a CMO or someone recruiting a, an engineer versus I see an employee of the company that I know, or I know someone who knows that employee and they're saying, hey, come join me. This yeah, is true. how much fun we're having, right? Which one is going to resonate, right? True. So you said humans marketing to humans, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. That's the same thing. So that's, you know, it's also, you know, we started about, you know, can you measure social, right? So even if we can't measure, right? It's still something that needs to be done, right? You still have to get your, your corporate message out there on social. And I think today more important than the corporate message on social is the employee message on social, right? That also helps with the, with, with, with the brand and the, and, and the, and the prospect pi- pipeline and also mm. with, the, with the talent pipeline. Mm-hmm. So, it's a very interesting view of the world. So the, the picture you paint to me is, is like, look, there's, there's multiple, multiple facets to address when looking at this problem. As you say, it was a very open-ended question. But you start off saying like, look, there's noise, you need to measure, what you need to measure needs to be meaningful. And what you're also saying is from a marketing perspective, it's absolutely meaningful to not just look at your customer. There's also the internal side, there's the employee side. And actually to solve this problem and why I say it's like 360 view is talent is a huge equation, right? And so the collection of talents is equally as important as the collection of leads that lead to opportunities. Is that fair to say? I, I think that that's my observation of what's happening today, right? Why Companies do you think there's a talent gap? Why there's a gap in it is we have a lack of resources in globally, right? From steel and wood to, to real estate to, to talent. You know, why I have, I have mm. no idea why that's mm. too, too macro for me, but this is sure. you know, right. Okay. You, you see like companies, you know, I can, you can assume that the, the big companies, they're, they're, they're growing faster than smaller businesses, right? They're sucking up lots of talent for yeah. them. Money is no issue, right? If an engineer 20 years ago was on a hundred K salary and today they're on a 500 K salary, right? This is you know, the, 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 the problem is just expanding. Right, so there's not not enough talents. Right, look at the number of IPOs, tech IPOs that, that we had in the past six months. Right, each one of those tech IPOs, they have to hire double, triple, quadruple their workforces. Right, so so the 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 the, the need for talents is is increasing, but the the, the supply is in there. Mm-hmm. Right, and I see companies again they're struggling to get talents. Yeah at least as much as struggling to get leads, right? It's become something which is, 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 is in kind of an equal problem. Mm. And, and, and using, and now they, they're using the HR, right? That's in charge of the talent pipeline. They're using marketing to get more talent into the pipeline, right? So the, if you think about it, maybe this wasn't a topic that we even brought up, that the marketing is becoming even more important in the organization. Right, because it's not just the, the 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 fuel for the sales in regards to leads, but it's the fuel of the company in regards to talent. It's it's, uh, it's interesting you say that. I, I think this is an underrepresented matter in the industry, and it's not talked about enough. Right. So, of course, as you say, short of a talent, like all these new orgs popping up, a lot of demand everywhere. Understand, and and then also add in the layer of because the demand is so high and the pool is so small, people are being paid more than ever. And so that can lead to a problem of retention as well. Um, for example, what's Octopus doing to help maintain its culture, its retention of its people? So one, you know, we're, we're growing at a very fast pace. You know, I mentioned that, that we you know, did the, the you know, big round and, you know, after a round, you, you grow. So one, we're, you know, I would say struggling like, like any other company in, in, in recruiting, it's tough, right? But, you know, we, we managed to, to get a pie. For, the, 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 for me, the DNA is super important because we came up from a, a small startup. We're basically bootstrapped. We raised a very small seed fund, you know, back mm-hmm. in the day when we founded Octopost. And the, 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 it was a very, very tight-knit team, right? Was, you know, hope, hope still is. Uh, and, and, and as we grow, we want to maintain that, that, that tight-knit team. So, you know, just like we have the radically transparent 
podcast, right? That that mindset came from the DNA of Oxypost, right? We're a radically transparent company. And where, where we see that radically transparent inside Octopost is one, everything is shared. Within the company, we share everything. We have a, a monthly and quarterly all hands on meeting. We go through every single numbers, right? From, you know, the, 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 the revenue and the churn and the ARR and the growth and where we're succeeding and where we're not succeeding to every single employee, right? And we have explained the, the, the meanings of these, uh, of these numbers. So one, on that, we're transparent. Yeah. We have three three locations. So we're in Israel, London, and uh, and the US, mm. right? There's super collaboration one between geographies, and also between teams, right? So the amount of, of 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 teamwork, even when it's something to do with, you know, some individuals, you know, what what, what they're doing on the day to day, everybody is there to help, and I think that the, to maintain that during growth, if, if that was the question, is is Showing by example, right? Keeping that radically transparent mindset, and also that 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 radical teamwork, and everybody is here to win. Because if if one person isn't able to do their job, right, that's gonna propagate through the entire organization, right? Yeah. And we have one goal in mind, right? First of all, successful company uh, customers, and then that will lead us to a successful company. Yeah, yeah. It seems like uh, that simplicity theme carries not just with your strategy, but then at your organization as well, just keeping things simple. Listen, Mary, I'm a, again, I'm a simple person with a simple idea. I can't think of complex solutions. So I come up with the most simplest idea. I don't know about that. I think you have to be complex in order to be simple. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's very easy to boil the ocean. And how do you step out of that it requires a lot of uh, focus and forethought. So, you know, one of the things you talked about with regards to internally at Octopus, radically transparent, it's almost like you, are, I think you're also saying the culture is important, right? And, and that's a big part of retention. And part of what you're doing with this transparency is this culture of information sharing. It's a culture of driving maybe people to be accountable and to feel connected, the sense of belonging, because for at least specific roles or teams, they can see their immediate impact to some of the numbers that are shared, right? So people don't feel like a number. They feel like an actual contribution to larger whole. And, and it is that, I guess, community that helps with retention, which, which I believe in. If, if that's what you're saying, I totally believe in that. Yeah. And, and that is a big thing because that's a, that's not something that you can't put a cost on, right? Like people go for jobs not just because of the pay, they go for jobs because of all these other factors that kind of invigorate them. There's a value exchange beyond money. It's your own internal customer experience. It, it's the internal right. customer experience. You know, and then because you know, we started out you know, as a smaller startup, there's like a global WhatsApp group that, that you know, everybody joins. So I hope we're going to reach the limit one day. So I don't know what the limit of a WhatsApp group is, but I'm, I'm, I'm dreading that day. Because you know, right How big now, is it out of curiosity. What's that? How big is your group right now? Out of curiosity, oh, it's the number of employees, right? Just over fifty employees. Wow. Right. So and so you have they have the Slack channels, and that's more work. But then when you get outside of you know what you're doing at Octopost and more about who you are, that yeah. that's on the WhatsApp group. If what you're cooking on the weekend and where you are and vacate, people send pictures from vacation and. You know, we have these little octaves. I don't know if I have one here somewhere. Oh, I have one of those. Yeah, oh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. The right, people oh. take them all over the world and then, you know, take pictures and share it on WhatsApp. And then, so, you know, that, that's a, you know, it's, you know, one, one way to get everyone together. And, you know, it's a great place to, to communicate. Yeah. You've, got a, you've yeah. got a way to go, Daniel. It's 256. Oh, so, yeah. So my, my, my dreaded day is going to be somewhere next year. That's fast growth. Wow. About 2023, maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Huh. Okay, okay. Um, I don't know. I feel like from, you're giving a lot of advice to marketers, right? Based on what you're saying. There's, there's a lot, solve the noise problem, solve the measurement problem, make it simple. There's, there's kind of like 
meaningless forms of measurement and be able to identify those quickly because sometimes activities just need to be done because they need to be done. There's a game aspect there. So play the game well. And there's a lot of like, je ne sais quoi in that, right? Like you're either good at playing the game or not, I think. But then from the measurement side, that's very black and white, very, very black and white. And then the find talent, hold on to talent. That is a, I guess, black and white thing to say. Uh, not as easy of a thing to influence depending on the size and shape of organization, right? But basically, which is it? Those are the primary factors ultimately. You're, those are the primary, at least distilled down to core fundamentals. Those are the primary factors of success as a marketing organization, period. Dumb, dumb it down to the core fundamentals, yeah. 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 And yeah. then start building slowly with more mind you know, on where you want to go. Yeah, I think, you know, what I've been saying for, for years and years, and, you know, I'm, I'm super, I, I love data, right? Anything has to do with data and, you know, how you represent and show data is, uh, you know, I love those conversations. And I remember even when, you know, I was in my, in my 20s, you go into, into marketing meetings, somebody would show a graph on yep. the overhead projector, and uh, remember we had those like plastic slides? Yo, totally. Oh, I, no, that, that's cool. That's Sean, cool. do you really yeah. remember that? <laughs> I remember that. No, but it wasn't overhead project. It was like just regular projectors. It wasn't like Apple TVs. Uh, and then you know, you, everybody will be in the room and they'll nod at this amazing, beautiful looking graph. But how many people understood what that represents? Yeah. Right? Same and many times today. I look at the graph, I say, no, mm -hmm. you know, well, that, well, it doesn't make sense what you have there. Like, well, what are you even showing, right? The, the, the logic isn't there. So then, you know, for me, when marketers look at data, and this is maybe is the biggest, like... I know where you're if, going with this. If, okay, let's see, write it down on paper, see if it's, uh, if it's there. If what you're looking at, mm -hmm. you, you can't, you're not going to change any action. Yep. You're not going to take, say, okay, I see this. I understand that now I have to do that. Yep. That was a waste of time. But, but here's the thing. Are you then saying there's a certain level of education that needs to happen for marketers? And that level of education perhaps is under uh, done, under executed today? Because the problem that you describe is a common one, right? Like it's, it's innocent to put up a very pretty graph where people can have conversations about it and feel good, but it's actually not actionable because the business cannot make any pivot on what's presented. But this happens every day in corporate. It's, I, I, I cringe. This is like my, my, my nightmares that I have, right? It, it, you have to say, I'm looking at this, I understand what I see, and you know, I'm going to take a different direction or I understand what I'm doing better. Or if you don't, understand, if not, you don't have any takeaways from looking at a piece of data or looking at a graph, yeah. you might as well not look at it. Well, I think that's so why then. it's so important. Sorry, it's just a, I think that's why it's so important to have that sales and marketing alignment so that everyone understands what the key KPI is. They understand, you know, how is this, how did we come to this result? And, you know, everyone has a part in it. So to make it actionable rather than, you know, just the pretty chart where everyone's like, uh-huh, but I have no idea what that number means. I don't know if it's a good thing. I don't know if it's a bad thing. But, you know, just having that alignment between sales and marketing and um, maybe even measuring it the same way. So having sales and marketing have shared KPIs so that everyone is really on the same page and measuring success in the same manner. Oh, actually, it was going to be, so, so Daniel, based on what you're saying, um, does that mean marketing needs to uphold more of an analytics function? Or are you saying that the data presented needs to be more prescriptive and today it isn't? I would say both, but definitely the first, right? Without understanding numbers and, and, and being good at numbers, right? The, the, the marketing teams are going to function, right? Not everybody has to be a mathematical, you know, grad, yeah. right? But you have to have, you know, some portion of the team which understands how to, you know, what, what those numbers mean, right? Let's say you have, it just, you know, on top of my head example, uh, your, your, your CPC rate, uh, you know, went up or went down, right? Mm -hmm. And you see this change in the graph. And so everybody looks at the graph, oh, look, the CPC changed, right? If, you know, there's no analysis, like why, the, what's happening 
behind yeah. the numbers, what does it matter if it changed or didn't change? I want to know, like, what, 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 what's the cause of that change? Yeah. And it's not just the, you know, sometimes the numbers are just showing the end result. We have to understand how you got to those results. Makes me okay. think of that, the, 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 the old quote about half, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted, but I don't know which half. Yeah, I heard that one with, with, uh, with, with doctors, that half of what I'm going to learn in, in, in uh, med school is going to be irrelevant afterwards. But, Wonderful. I, I, hope they won't, I hope they know which half is irrelevant. <laughs> no, but that's true. You know, it's, a, it's around, you know, not everything is measurable. Right. Mm -hmm. And does it, and we shouldn't, I don't believe that we should strive to measure 100%. Right. You know, at the end of the, if we look at almost any organization, right, they're, they're doing, they have a blog, right. They're doing webinars. Yep. Right. Many are doing podcasts. They're doing trade shows or were doing, and they will do in the future trade shows. Right. They're buying lists. They're subscribing to analysts. Like what, what else are we doing as marketers, right? We're redesigning our website every time the CMO changes, right? Right. What, what's the difference between that and what we're doing today and what we did 20 years ago or 10 years ago? It's true. They, they, the exact same thing. We just call it something different. We call it something different. Yeah. Uh, you call it something different. There's more things that you can measure today, I guess, to your point of, of noise earlier. But like, so then you just added an extra ingredient here, which I, which I think is really interesting. You're saying, hey, marketers, you have to be savage, like really, because just because a graph looks pretty and it's, it shows some result, if you don't know why, then it's pointless. Your job's not done. So like, figure it out. Yeah. So one, they have to be savvy. Detailed oriented is, is a must. Uh, that, that's one, and, and also in, in marketing, you know, so you mentioned, you know, ABM, right? Which is, it seems like a silver bullet. There are no, no silver bullets, right? The, you know, this is like from, uh, what's the hard things about hard things, the book by, I forget his name. Uh, it's, you know, there are no silver bullets. It's a whole bunch of lead bullets, right? You have to do the webinars and the conferences and the, and the you know the web page redesign and the landing pages and the email marketing and the, and the automation and the e and the lead scoring it has to be this, and, and it's a lot of hard work, right? But you have to make sure that you're measuring what you can measure to make sure that at the end you're getting to your KPI. If your KPI is generating opportunities, make sure you know how to measure generating opportunities. If your KPI is closed one deals and not pipeline but actual revenue coming to the company, make sure that you know how to how to measure that. But take one or two or five measurements, whatever it is, keep them simple, keep them as objective as, as you can. So it's not doesn't depend on who's measuring, you're gonna come up with different results. And it the numbers don't matter. It's the trends, the ups and downs that that, that matter at the end of the day. You know, you know what's funny? Um, you say that, you know, the no silver bullet statement. And I think everybody listening will nod their head and be like, yes, there's no silver bullet. And the funny thing is people may nod at that, but I feel like there's still organizations that fall into the trap of being so compelled by a particular solution or a particular way to address a problem that they, in a way, live like there is a silver bullet. But the problem is, like we talked about earlier, we're humans marketing to humans. Human behavior is random and unpredictable. And especially in B2B, when there's many humans involved, humans upon humans, there can't be a silver bullet. It's just, like you said, a bunch of lead bullets because what works in one scenario may not work in another. And that's where the measurement comes in play. And, and also what worked yesterday might not work tomorrow, right? It, it's it's yeah. constantly changing. So it, it, it's, you know, I think, you know, every marketers today, they know they have to be testing, right? And I think it's, it's testing, testing quick and things that aren't working, get rid of, move on to the next one. It's interesting you say that because what that leads me to think also is if marketing has a very experimentative mindset and they are doing this testing, this begins to solve for that education thing of, of marketing needing to learn more about how to be analytical, ask the right questions, whatever. This leads organizations down that path. And I think a lot of organizations today don't embrace that strongly enough, at least not Fortune 500 B2B. This test and learn thing doesn't really happen too much. 
that, 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 that surprises me because, you know, it would seem much more efficient yeah. to be testing rather than doing, you know, full-blown projects which are longer, much more expensive, have a longer lifespan and figuring out that you didn't get anything at the end of the day. Can I throw a curveball out here? Because this, a lot of our conversation has been marketing focused around keeping it simple for marketing, marketing focusing on, you know, a couple of core KPIs, bringing it all back and simplifying the marketing process. I don't know if it's this podcast or maybe another one, but does sales need to simplify? Does operations need to simplify? You want to get me started with sales now? <laughs> Mary. I don't, this is, that's a different podcast. Let, let's do a sales podcast. <laughs> and I'll bring my sales leadership on as well so we can have a battle. There we go. Well, I mean, I think it's perfect. We've had two conversations so far. We can just turn this into a whole mm-hmm. trilogy and we'll bring in sales in the next conversation. Yeah, I think sales, sales is, is, is very interesting because yeah. also, you know, the, 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 Trump, you, you never on the head, right? This is human selling to humans. Mm-hmm. So the, the, there's, you know, so much in there. And also we're, we're, we're trying to, one sales is also trying to cut through the noise, right? Which is a huge problem. Right, so if you go like to the beginning of the pipeline and you're from SDRs, etc., that, that that's an issue there. Uh, but also, just like we, we spoke about talent, there's not enough sales talent. And and, and you look at the the the, the a, a large portion. I don't have any stats on this. I'm just throwing this out from yeah. from my gut feeling. Is that a large portion of the, especially the SaaS sales force? Right? This is young talent and someone today with five years experience, that's a lot of experience. Yes. Right. But you, you can't learn sales in, in, in five years. Right. You can learn the basics. You have experience. You can be successful if you're at the right place at the right time. But, but you know, these, these are things where it takes time to, to, to learn. It takes a lot of, a lot of practice. I think there's a big, big issue in the, in the global sales force with the one, the lack of talent mm-hmm. and the, 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 the young, the, the smart, but it's a young generation. Yeah. Right? They, 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 there's, there's not enough patience there. So I'm going to make your unpopular statements more unpopular. You're saying oh. globally humans are untalented. I'm kidding. No, 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 no but like no, there, there's, no, there's, no, there's, a, no, no, <laughs> there's no. simply a shortage of talent because the this, industry has been moving so quick. The, yeah, the pool hasn't kept pace, and and this is 100%. a widespread problem. Well, thank you. Those are some <laughs> really <laughs> compelling ideas. I like that you're unafraid of being so uh, polarizing in your statements. I think we explored. I think we had the talk that maybe a lot of marketers may want to say, but no one ever says, right? And and it's you've made it very real. You've made it very actionable with regards to here are some of the problems and here's a uh, very pragmatic way, a practical way to solve for it. So very grateful to have had that conversation with you. Well, it's been my pleasure. Just before we let you go, there's just one more thing that we like to do, just so we can learn a little bit more about our guests. So we like to finish off our podcast with a round of quick fire questions. I I promise they're not hard, only 10 of them. You literally just need to pick one option in in each case, although, the answer of both or neither is also allowed as an answer. And pass? Can I say pass? If you want to. If you want to. Good. But I, um, we'll, we'll see if... I, I Mary isn't think, allowing pass. I don't think they're that contrary. No, Mary doesn't allow pass. All right. Here we go. Question number one. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Number two. Inbound or outbound? Inbound. Beach or Mountains. Mountains. Leads or opportunities? Opportunities. Wine or beer? Wine. Search or social? Social. 100%. (laughs) Day or night? Night. Instagram or TikTok? Instagram. Car or cycle? (laughs) Car or cycle? Car. And finally, the most important one of all, B2B or B2C? Only B2B. 
right. Well, you got six of those right, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right and wrong? <laughs> Only for marriage. Listen, we can go back on the list and I'll give you the reason why I chose each one. There's a very specific reason. <laughs> uh, I thought that was awesome. Thank you. And I want to thank um, Daniel. Thank you so much for, for joining us today. Sean, thank you so much for being here for a fascinating conversation. Um, you know, to our listeners to learn more about Octopost or to listen to their podcast, Radically Transparent, you can go to octopost.com. You can also check out marketone.com to learn more about us um, and to listen to more episodes of Funnelocity. You can also check us out at marketone.com slash Funnelocity. 